good to see so many faces out here today. It's just a really exciting time of year, right? I mean, this is like the best, the most wonderful time of the year, the song says. So, um, good morning and, and welcome to the mission. And, and uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time or don't know who I am, my name is Mark Ashley. I'm one of the teachers here at the mission. And um, I hope that you've been blessed by this most recent series that we've been talking about, The Gifts of Hope. I mean, Christmas time is that time where we... We give gifts, and, and I think that the, the biggest gift that we've, we've ever been given is through the gift of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the, that today. But those of you maybe have missed the last two weeks, um, it's hard really to catch you all up in, in just a few seconds, but I'm going to try. Um, so the first week we heard from, from Ricardo, and Ricardo talked about the hope of righteousness, that right standing we have with God through Jesus Christ. We have that hope because... We're able to walk by the Spirit. And that's what that's what Ricardo talked about. Walking by the Spirit, by spending time with God, reading the Bible, using the Bible in prayer, we have the hope of defeating sin in our own lives. And that's that hope of righteousness. And this, last week, Jason um, brought us the message about hope for the answer to our prayers. How God hears the prayers of His people who are faithful. And we need to allow our circumstances to drive us to our knees. And allow the Lord to bring us to our feet like only He can. And that the Lord is our answer. So about those are the last two weeks that we've talked about the hope of uh, the gifts of hope that God's given us. And I can't really come close to giving, doing those two sermons justice, so I really, really encourage you to go to the missionrevens.com or to iTunes and listen to those podcasts so you can keep up to date with us. I promise you you won't regret it. So um Today we're going to talk about another gift of hope, and that's another gift of hope that we have in Jesus. And as we've talked about over the past two weeks, our human kind of worldly view of hope is, is often filled with uncertainty, right? So when we think about hope, we think of, I hope I get a good grade, uh, I hope I get a raise, um, I hope she goes out with me, right? Not me, but you know. Um, I hope she says yes, I, I'm... You know, we hope our children grow up to be doctors. Actually, you probably shouldn't hope that because that's a lot of pressure to put on a kid. But, um, but, but we hope for things, right? And a lot of times there's uncertainty involved in, in hope. But some of us hope for really serious things and, and kind of difficult things. Like we hope that the cancer goes away or we hope that the surgery goes well or, or we hope, some of us maybe even hope we're going to heaven. We don't know. And so, as Vince Lombardi once said, he was the greatest football coach of possibly, I was going to say, the greatest team in football, but I was going to leave a little room for for other fans of football here. See, okay, see Randy. Or maybe it's the Raiders, but um, no, I don't think so. But the, the, the famous football coach wrote, wrote, hope is not a strategy. That's Vince Lombardi, right? Hope is not a strategy, and that's the human hope that we have. And he's right. I, I actually looked it up. The um, package don't start till 1:25, so I have a couple hours. Um, so just sit, down, sit back and relax. Um, so you see, our human view of hope is limited by chance, by probability, by by the words maybe or hopefully, right? And if we, if we view hope this way, it's so uncertain. But as we've talked about, God's view of hope is different. And it's actually characterized by faith-filled expectation. By, by this, this sense, and, and Ricardo said it in his first week, hope increases as desperation increases. 
As we need God more, hope arises more. And as we talk today, we're going to see that our hope in God is not uncertain. It's not uncertain at all. But it's certain because God fulfills His promises. So, in a couple of weeks, we're going to celebrate Christmas, right? How many of you guys are like buying presents and getting ready for that? I mean, it's just a crazy time of year. And um, Christmas always reminds me of my childhood. And I was reflecting on my family Christmas traditions this last week as I was trying to plan out what day my parents and I were going to get together for Christmas. I mean, it, it, it seems strange, but when I was a kid, we didn't have this problem. I, I um, See, when you're a doctor, people don't just have the decency to stop getting sick on Christmas Eve and Christmas, so we can't just, like, you know, not work that day. So, so in my family, many times our Christmas is very loosely associated with Christmas Day. Um, in fact, this, this year we're going to be doing Christmas on the 21st, is that right? I'm just making sure. Um, so, the 21st, no, you're not invited. None of the rest of you. Okay? Just that, that real matter. Um, um, so we actually get to have Christmas for like the whole the whole week. But uh, when I was a kid, our family had this very solid tradition that um, it really we never deviated from it. I can't. Uh, it probably was my whole childhood. We never changed. And um, and on Christmas Eve, we'd be with my dad's family, and then uh, Christmas morning, um, we'd open presents with my immediate family, and then Christmas. Later morning and the rest of the day would be with my mom's family, and that's just how it was. And I never had to think about scheduling. So um, each of those places, we I cherished each of the traditions that we had at each of those places, and I still remember of bonding to this day. Um, I'm sure many of you had similar kind of kind of stories about uh, your your uh, your Christmas times. Um, when I, I, I always the thing that reminds me the most of of Christmas though is the very start of the Christmas season for us, which was that Christmas Eve celebration with the, with the Ashley family. And we'd go to Grandma and Grandpa Ashley's house, which was in Temple City, and we'd drive there, and um, we'd eat an amazing feast, and it, it was scheduled exactly on time at one-ish. So, I mean, it was, it was, it was precise, one-ish. Um, but that was Grandma's time, it was one-ish, and I know that doesn't seem very specific, but that was the time, that's the thing I remember the most. And... Um, and we had a great time eating and laughing. There were certain dishes that we have that nobody else has ever heard of. Things like uh, Pan Am cake. I know you've never had it. It's awesome. Um, orange rolls. Nobody eats orange rolls, but we do. And um, they're awesome. So if you ever get a chance, I'm not inviting you. So my aunts and uncles and, and, and all of our cousins, we'd just be laughing and having so much fun. And uh, it was an awesome time, right? The problem is that my grandma had one rule, just one rule, and that was that we couldn't open presents until dark. So if you can imagine, I'm a kid, and I mean, I don't know, anybody else have this kind of rule? You can't open presents till dark or till um, midnight. Yeah, so I heard, I heard that. Actually, I was talking to a friend last week, and she said I was telling her the story about um, about our our Christmas Eve tradition, and she said, actually, my grandma didn't let us open presents until midnight, so I felt like maybe my grandma was letting us off a little bit, but um, uh, giving me a little bit of a break. But you see, the time between lunch at 1-ish and sunset at 5-ish felt like an eternity for for me and, and for my cousins, I'm sure. So my cousins and I, we would try to, like, convince my grandma that it was dark, like, close the blinds, and it's like, Grandma, it's dark, I promise, it's dark. And she didn't um, and, and nothing would work. Um, and it felt like darkness would never happen. 
But we were so excited for our presence to come, right? We were so wrapped up in that. And, and eventually, it would get dark. And then, my grandpa had a tradition that he had to have dealt with, which was we had to read all of Luke, um, Luke's story, of, of, of the Christmas story, right? And he didn't just like let me read it, um, who could read quickly. He had to let the, the youngest person who could read in the family would, would get to read the Christmas story because that was like the tradition. And so that mean, meant they had to like stumble over Quirinius and, and you know Caesar Augustus and, and like all this. Um, you know they just couldn't get the vocabulary, so it would take forever. They'd be come on, let's just go the presents. And then um, my grandma had another tradition that we had to sing Silent Night, so we had to sing all four verses. So I'm thinking, come on, let's just get to the yes. And finally. Finally, when the time was right, um, we got to open presents. And and it was a great lesson, I guess, in learning how to be patient and hoping for the future. But I hated waiting. And in our culture, we all hate waiting, right? I, I, I think about fast food and, and how we have easy financing, same as cash for 90 days. We can't even wait to like, buy stuff. I mean, we have Amazon Prime. And you can, what better time than Christmas to be able to like look at your screen and get that thing from your screen to your front porch within like a day. I, I think it's amazing that we can do this and we hate waiting in our culture. We're not good at it. But all of us are waiting and hoping for something. And today we're going to talk about that hope we have for the future. That point in time that's just not here yet, but, but maybe we think about it a lot. Maybe we're, we're just longing for it. That thing that we're wishing for, maybe we even believe it with all of our heart that it's going to happen, and we just don't see it yet. If you're, if you're in school, you know, I know you're just waiting to get your degree, to get your first job. For some of us, it's waiting to get your next degree. Some of us are waiting to get out of debt. Some of us are waiting to buy a new house and go into more debt. <laughs> for those of us that are, are in, in our careers, some of us are just waiting for retirement. And some of us are waiting for a savior for ourselves. We see where our lives are headed and, and, and we're hoping for something different in our lives. For many of us at the mission, we're just we're hoping and believing for a future in which we impact our community in amazing ways. And, and we have this vision of what it can be like and we see it in the future, in this place, in God's time, and we're just hopeful for it. You see, we're all hoping for a future, or we're all waiting on something. But sometimes it's difficult to live our lives for God's kingdom today because we're so concerned about what's going on, what's going to happen in the future. So at Christmas, we remember Jesus' birth. And uh, as we think about the Jewish people at that time when Jesus was born, we can only imagine the way that they felt, right? They, in the Old Testament, there's this rich tradition of prophecy. They were waiting for God to deliver on a promise of a future which they couldn't see. They believed it with all their heart, but, but it just wasn't there yet. In fact, the Bible tells us they'd been waiting for, for, and praying for hundreds of years for the, for the hope of a Savior, they were trying to live up to the perfection that God required and, and they needed God to come through again. And today we're going to talk about that hope and what it means for us. 
So we'll start with Paul's letter to the Galatians, um, the Galatian church. And at this point in the letter, Paul's discussing the issue of who we are as Jesus followers. Um, there's a lot of debate in that Galatian church because there was, there was, the, there was the Jewish Christians and those who were non-Jewish Christians. And so there was a lot of debate around that. And he's trying to show us that we're no longer slaves to the law but are sons and daughters of the living God. And I'm going to bring up this, this verse here. Why don't we read it together? Um, you know, you can open up your Bibles or, or your app, but uh, it'll also be on the screen. So I'm just going to read it for us. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he's no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, the heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time is set by the father. What Paul's really trying to get at right here is that an heir as a child, as a child is no, no, a child is no different than, than a slave when they're, when they're young, right? Because I hope you don't, any of you who are children don't feel like you're slaves, um, to your parents. I'm not trying to say that. But what I'm saying is that if you imagine you have to follow the rules, you kind of have to live up to your parents' expectations and, and Paul's point here is that there's really no functional difference, right? There's no, functional difference between a slave and a child until the father's appointed time to give out the inheritance. The, the ability to kind of say, well, well, the slave doesn't have, that we're not, we're not, you know, part of the family as slaves. So they won't get part of the inheritance. So he kind of points that out and then he goes on to, to verse uh, three. So also when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. You see, a savior had been promised to God's people for centuries. The people of God had been waiting for that time to come. And they knew, they knew it. They needed a savior. And they were slaves to the law. They were slaves to the law, and, and if you think about it, there was another time when the Israelite people were slaves. It was back in Egypt, right? And so, Paul is pointing out here that, that um, we're no longer slaves, just like God delivered us from Egypt, he's now deliver, delivering us from the law. It's an amazing kind of juxtaposition there. Ricardo eloquently talked about it a couple weeks ago, that the Jewish people needed the hope of righteousness or right standing with God because they couldn't do it on their own. They couldn't follow the law by themselves. They needed a savior and they were waiting on him and they were crying out for that savior for an answer, just like Jason talked about last week. And then God came just in time. God came just in time. Just in time. <laughs> in his time, right? He came to rescue his people. God provided the answer that they had been waiting for. He adopted us as his sons and his daughters and we're no longer slaves to the law. Now that is a Christmas gift worth waiting for. In fact, 700 years before Jesus was born, the Old Testament book of Isaiah, it, it, it's a book of prophecy, and, and, and it promised a Savior. 
And Isaiah explained it this way. Let's, let's put that one up there. For to us, a child is born. And to us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, if I had to wait 700 years for my Christmas present, I would be pretty upset, right? Um, but God's people, they've been waiting for all of these generations for the right time to come. For that 5 o'clock hour when it was finally dark enough so that the gift could be unwrapped. You see, God had come through for the Israelites so many times before. He'd come through for them. And through the history of the Jewish people, God was their deliverer. And they had this hope, this true faith-filled expectation. Not that earthly, I hope it all works out, hope is not a strategy type of hope, but the hope that means we believe this is coming. We believe God will save us. They had that kind of hope. And you see, they had the kind of hope that we need today. When I think of hope, I think of a passage in, in Jeremiah. And I see the prophet Jeremiah, he wrote a letter. He sent this letter from Jerusalem to all the people that King Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile. And this group of people was, was sitting in exile in from the, the hometown of Jerusalem that they, were, they loved so much. And they were crying out for God to rescue them. They're crying out, God, bring us back to where we belong. And Jeremiah then writes this. He's speaking from the point of view of God's words right now. So he says, and God says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. A hope and a future. And then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I'll listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. With all your heart. You see, in our current culture, we love this verse, especially verse 11. And some of us like to read this verse and think of it as a personal promise to us individually for our own prosperity. Like God is our big like cosmic Santa Claus or something like that. And, and I think that it's way bigger than that. I think what Jeremiah is doing is way more awesome. And what he sees for the future is way better than I'm going to give you more money. I mean, he's talking to this exile group of people, this group of people in this place, that's, and he's saying, I have a future for you. You can't even imagine it yet. It's amazing. So it promises that God will listen when we pray and we seek him with all, with all of our heart. It's not a promise for, for more financial wealth or everything we want. It's a promise to a group of people that if we seek after God's will, if we seek as a people after God's will, with all of our heart, He's going to reveal His plan and He'll be faithful to His people. So we will find God, we will find God when we seek Him with our whole heart. So my mission family, I ask, I ask us all, are we seeking after God's will with all of our heart? Are we seeking after him with our whole heart?
I love Jeremiah. And, and Jeremiah wrote another book um, called Lamentations. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever read it. I'm not, that's not like on my top 10 list of things to read, but, but it's actually pretty cool um, if you ever get a chance to read through it. It's another book that cries out for deliverance. And um, he wrote these words. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, I say to myself. The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will not, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. The Lord is good, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So the people of God, they were longing and praying for rescue, for, for salvation, for how hard it must have been for God's people to just pray and pray and pray and pray and, and wait quietly on this, on this salvation that, that was coming. But through it all, their hope was really truly in the Lord. God's plan is revealed as we wait. Because their hope was in Him. His plan was revealed. And, and then on the right day, in the right place, at the right time, Jesus was born. And, you know, a lot of times we think God should come on our timeline before it gets dark. <laughs> but while God rarely comes at our appointed time, He always comes at the right time. He always comes at the right time. He, he come, he's come through throughout all of history just in time. You see, what was true thousands of years ago for Isaiah and for Jeremiah, it's so true today. See, we have the ultimate hope in Jesus. Not only, not only will he meet us in our, in our current needs like, like he did for the Israelites, but you look at the New Testament, you know there's more hope that we have. There's more hope that we have in Jesus Christ because he's coming again. I know that sometimes doesn't, doesn't sink in, but, but Jesus is coming again. And we have that ultimate hope in Jesus Christ. So, just like the Jewish people who are waiting and groaning for a Savior, and we have crazy stuff that happens in our world right now. I mean, you know, our, our world is just kind of upside down. And we, we, we long for Jesus and we pray to him. We say, please rescue us from this. And he hears us. And he's coming again. So Jesus himself gave us this hope. In John's account of Jesus' life, I'm going to just kind of go, go through this really quickly in one, sec, one place where he, he mentions this. He's speaking to the crowds of followers. It's after he just fed the 5,000, you know, five loaves of bread, two fish, feeds 5,000 people. And then after that, he walks on water. And then the crowd's like following around saying, what the heck is going on with this guy? And, um, and he says, and, and the crowd's coming to him and saying, Jesus, what, what do we have to do to, to be with you forever? Um, what, is God is, what is God requiring of us? It's really you know, talking about what do I have to do? What are the works that I have to do? And Jesus says, just believe in me. And, and then this big crowd of people that just got fed 
by you know five loaves of bread and two fish and just saw Jesus walk on water, they say, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. You son of the, I'm not sure you're the son of God. And I, I don't know. if. And Jesus basically says, you know, if I just did all this and you guys don't believe me, I don't know. I can't help you all. I, he actually didn't say that. But, but, um, but if you don't believe in me after all of that, I can't help you. You know, you, he didn't say that. But, but Jesus does say in John chapter 6, verse 40, he says, For my Father's will is that everyone, everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up on that last day. And that's the hope that we have as Christ followers. Because we believe in Jesus Christ, we're going to be with him on that last day. So that's the ultimate hope that we all have. And that's not just a kind of hope. That's a certainty that we have. That's something that we can take to the bank. So what an amazing hope we personally have in our Jesus Christ. If we believe in Him and we follow Him, we'll have a life that's eternal. And a lot of times we think of that as just like, oh, we get to go to heaven. I'm wanting to tell you guys today that it's not just that. It's so much better than that. We no longer have to worry about the future. Because we can live an eternity-focused life. We don't just get to live forever. We get to live with our lives focused on the truth of eternity because we believe in Jesus Christ. Because of the certainty of what Jesus has done for us. See, we can live an eternity-focused life today because of the certainty of what Jesus has done for us. So let's go back to Galatians and see how Paul kind of wraps this whole section of Scripture up. Um, So I'm going to go back to uh, Galatians chapter 4, and we're going to read from verse 1 again in light of that eternity-focused life that we've just talked about. So he says this, What I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he's no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, the heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So the hope, the faith-filled expectation type of hope we have is that by following Jesus, we're also considered his kids. The term Abba Father that you saw there, it's literally translated into daddy. Now I'm thankful for my family that I was brought up in because I know I was blessed to have healthy, somewhat pretty close to healthy. Um, uh, I don't want to say too many good things about my parents in the front row there, but healthy family relationships. But I know some of you may not have had that experience. Some of you may have fathers or daddies that you didn't have good relationships with. And perhaps there was abuse or abandonment in your, in your life and, and I can't imagine it. 
uh, and I'm sorry for it. But I can assure you that God, He's the perfect Heavenly Father. He's the best Daddy you can ever imagine. And He has adopted us as His kids. <laughs> it's just an amazing, an amazing thing to, be, to believe. And we're not slaves to God. We're not slaves to the law. We're sons and daughters who share in those riches of what God can do. Imagine this is the creator of, of the universe, the creator of the world. Your heavenly Father, He's made you an heir to all of that power and that promise that He gave to us. And that is the hope that we have. It's a pretty good Christmas gift, right? And all of us are waiting on something, like we said at the beginning. Often wondering if God has kind of forgotten about us. And as you wait, let the birth of Jesus encourage you. Because, you know, so many years went by that the Israelites were just crying out for something to save them. And at the right time, Jesus came. So just because God hasn't come through yet, as far as you can see at least, it doesn't mean He has abandoned you. He has a promise. He has a plan. To Him, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. At this very moment, at this very moment, God is working for His glory in your life. And He's working for your good. And he's not just working on us individually. He's working on this church. So those circumstances might say otherwise in your own life. God is going to come through. And he's going to come through on schedule. I believe it. I'm so excited about it. Don't give up before the time is right. So today, I, I hope that we can all take hope in the manger. To know that we're loved by God. We're prized by Him as His children. Because He stepped down from heaven. And He arrived at the perfect time. Just, just the perfect time for you and for me. So for those of you in this room, and I don't know who this could be, maybe it's nobody, but if there's any of you in this room that's struggling with the hope that you have in eternity, maybe you think you've done too much this time, you've gone too far, you've sinned too much, maybe the demons you're battling are, you think they're beyond hope. I want you to believe in that power of Jesus Christ. Believe in Him as your Savior. There's nothing else that we could do this Christmas time, it's just accept the gift that Jesus gave us. See, His hope is eternal life. As Jesus said, he longs for you to be with him in eternity. As we believe in him, we have that hope for a future that is solid. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to waver. And we can live a life today through the lens of eternity because of the hope we have in our salvation. I know many of you are struggling 
with your own future, whether it's a medical problem that you're worried about, maybe it's your job, maybe it's your finances. I can't imagine. I mean, there's other things that we may be struggling with, we're hoping for, we're wishing for. I, I ask you to place your trust in Jesus Christ. He's going to sustain you through it. His plan might not be what you wish for. It's not like he's, you know, our cosmic Santa Claus. Um, but he's going to sustain you through it. And he's faithful to work through the situation with you. And that's his promise. So as we look together as a future for, for our church, for the hope we have in this place, we have the same kind of sense of waiting as, as uh, Jeremiah's, um, uh, the, the people who were, the Israelites who were in exile felt. It's kind of this sense of impatience, like we, we see the vision of what it could be. I hope that you all um, know that, that uh, there's amazing work that's going to be going on in this place. I am so excited for the future. Um, we had a we had a meeting with some of the lead, leaders you know, a couple, uh, this last week, and I'm just wanting to share with you, for those of you who weren't there, who who or who are or who are going to be seeing what's going to be happening, the fruits of what's going to be happening in this place. I, I can't even imagine how awesome it's going to be. I just have this amazing hope. I have this faith-filled expectation of what's coming in this place, and we've been praying for it for for years. I've lived on the corner of Olive and Eureka for 13 years. I've been praying for, for God to, have, to, to move in this city. And I have a hope-filled expectation that it's going to happen. And I hope you all will have that type of hope with me. So at the mission, my prayer is that we don't have human hope. The kind of hope that Vince Lombardi talked about. You know, that kind of hope, that's not a strategy. That's not a strategy for the mission. Oh, I hope it all works out. That's not our strategy. We have a hope that our Savior, Jesus Christ, brought into the world 2,000 years ago. That's the kind of hope that we have today. May we all believe that hope. May we trust in the one who has come through time and time again throughout history. Let's pray, guys. God, I thank you so much for these texts that you've preserved throughout all of history. They've been handed down to us for thousands of years, God. I'm so thankful that through Jesus we can see the story of how you came through for your people. God, today, if there's anyone in this room who's not taken the step to believe in you, God, I just... I ask that they would pray this prayer with me today. God, I believe you sent Jesus to save me from my sin. I ask that you bring your Holy Spirit into my life to help me to live life for eternity. So Father, meet us today in the waiting place. That, that place that we we long for that's not fully in view, God. Calm our hearts. Give us the ability to know that you're near, that you're here. 
believe that, that your plans for us are good. I see it in the birth of your son. I see that you've done so much throughout history for people that are faithful. May we rest in that hope as the mission today. And God, as the ushers come forward to receive our offering, God, use our finances in a way that honors you. God, use what we have in a way that honors you. We know that you have a plan for us here at the mission, God. And I just, I just ask that we seek your heart. We seek your will for our finances. May your will be done with what we bring to you today. May your will be done so that the hope that is in Christ Jesus will fill the city of Redlands, will fill the Inland Empire, will fill the ends of the earth with the good news that is your birth this Christmas season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.